I am 46 years old and am the mother of six children. And yes, I push them all out. And yes, they all have the same father. And I'm one of Costco's best customers. I'm also the account director for Murmur Creative, a design agency located in Portland, Oregon, that specializes in branding, web design, and digital marketing. I'm fiercely loyal to the promotion of an economically and ecologically sustainable city. I thrive on promoting ideas, building communities, and helping businesses grow. My network is vast and includes some of Portland's finest creators, investors, revolutionaries, and lawmakers. I prolifically promote the issues and organizations I believe in, as I'm a firm believer in the evolution of both self and craft in all of the work that I do. My name is Mary Nichols. Celebrating the work, lives, and achievements of women in Western North America, The Drum presents Exceptional Women Out West, hosted by The Drum North America Editor-at-Large, Doug Zanger. Let's start this little shindig with three questions. I like the fact that you picked this one because I haven't really heard anyone choose this one yet. You haven't? No, I, I probably should go look back at the, at the notes, but I can't recall, but I'm glad that you picked this one first. The biggest criticism I ever received was blank. What was it? Uh, it's when I was working at the Coors Brewing Company, and this was about 20 years ago, and it was definitely a good old boy network. And I was a young female. It was my second job that I had. And I was getting ready to present to a room full of distributors about the new marketing materials we were presenting. And this older gentleman came up to me and said, aren't you just the cutest little thing? I can't wait to watch you present. Whoa. So I just kind of laugh because I'm really not easily offended. Like the good old boy network didn't really bother me at all. But all of a sudden, I just had this feeling like, oh, maybe I should like try and be extra cute during this presentation. So I did my presentation thinking, gosh, you know, I hope I'm being cute enough for this guy. So the next day I go um, back to the office and my boss calls me in and he goes, uh, what happened to you during your presentation yesterday? Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I hit all the points. I did everything I was supposed to do. And he goes, you were like cocking your head to the side and your voice changed. And it was almost like you were trying to be cute. Wow. So he picked up on that. And I don't think I have ever been so mortified or embarrassed in my whole life. And I stumbled and I didn't even really know what to say. And I got really defensive and I cried. Sure. And then I realized it was a really big turning moment for me because in that meeting, he said, you don't need to be cute. You are smart. You're accomplished. You're strong. You just need to be you. Don't, you know, throw the the woman card out there when you're presenting. Just throw the Mary card out there. And that was a huge piece of advice that really helped me throughout my career. That's really cool because that's criticism, but it turned into something incredibly positive. And especially in light of an industry that, you know, even especially back then was overwhelmingly male. Yes. That's really cool. Yes. Maybe it's a Colorado thing. 
<laughs> Maybe a little it more is. progressive, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So were you more acutely aware of it as you proceeded? I mean, that's obviously, you know, you said it's a turning more point. Acutely aware. Oh, pun. Oh, yeah. No, no pun intended in that. I'm just trying to throw out a big word. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, I kept that with me forever. And I mean, I celebrate my womanhood. I, mm-hmm. you know, I love fashion and I love my femininity and, but I don't have to use that in a way to try to advance in my career. I can celebrate it, but I can be confident in my ability and my skills. And to learn that in my early 20s, was I'm really grateful that I learned that. What do you have a love affair with? I have a love affair with my clients. And and knowing you, that's not cliche. I, I know you. And that's like a real thing. It's not some sort of, no, you know. No, it's, it's, it's legit. real. Yeah, it's totally legit. Um, and that's why I think I do what I do. And the reason for that, I think, is because my dad was the general counsel at the world's largest privately held ad agency in the world when I was growing up called Leo Burnett. Yeah. We're familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And so I spent much of my childhood every day off of school, any chance I got, I would go to work with him. And I just loved the whole creative process. And my dad is a fiercely loyal human being. And he would say to us all the time, our clients are putting you through college or our clients are, you know, paying the bills in this house. Like you will never eat at a Burger King. You will only eat at McDonald's. We will only drive Oldsmobile cars. Like they, we have to be loyal to them to the death. I mean, he was so hardcore about it. So I grew up in that environment. And now that I'm an account director working at this agency with all these clients, I have that same fierce loyalty to them that my dad did. Um, so I can directly relate that to, to him and the way that I was raised. But it's real. Like, mm-hmm. if someone would ever diss a client in front of me, I mean, that would, that would just make my day terrible. Sure. And it would probably make their day terrible as well. What are you inspired by? I was thinking about this question, and there's someone that I am inspired by, a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, her, and I don't know if this is really aging me, but her name <laughs> was Irma Bombeck. Oh, yeah. No, it, you, yeah. You yeah. And I, you're younger than me, so, yeah. <laughs> so I'm aging myself there. Um, so she was an author and mm-hmm. a columnist. Uh, and what I loved about her is she was a suburban housewife, but she was very active in the Equal Rights Amendment. And I loved her sense of humor. Um, a sense of humor is really important to me. I love to laugh. And she was just so real. She didn't mm-hmm. um, you know, pretend she had this perfect life and her kids were perfect. I mean, nowadays, you scroll through social media, yeah, I can see how it could really get someone down. You're like, oh my gosh, their children are perfect. Their vacation is perfect. Their life is amazing. Why isn't mine like that? And she just cut to the chase and was so real. And with me having six children that are still young and working full time and 10 chickens and a dog and a husband and a house 
and everything that I do, my life certainly isn't perfect. Right, right. But I like to laugh about it a lot and not take it too seriously. Yeah, I remember Irma Bombeck on Good Morning America, the David Hartman years. Oh the, yeah, the, that was and that was really that was very innovative at the time. It's like, what? Wait, what? Yes. And she she really was real. Yes. And the the levity, but also that humanity to it was something that I thought was really cool. Me too. Me too. And I kind of, I aspire for that. Like I'm in my social media, I love social media. I'm on it a lot. You know, of course I'll do the cute kid pick or whatever, but I'll also admit that I recently had the worst Mother's Day ever and cried in my front yard for 45 minutes and, you know, just questioned everything in my life. So I'm on the Irma train in terms of that. You're an open book. Yeah. Let's move on to the must list. Okay. What is a must do? Oh, a must do. I would say hiring coaches Mm -hmm. for areas of your life that bring you great amounts of stress. So, um, because I, you know, everyone has their specialty in life and I'm a big believer, um, that you should surround yourself with people who are experts at what they do. It's only going to elevate you in life. Um, a couple examples. So something that really stresses me out in the morning is figuring out what to wear. I don't have a natural fashion sense. I like fashion when I see it. I hate shopping. (laughs) I'm not good at it. So I found a personal stylist. Uh, Her name's Sarah Dahlquist. She's in Portland. Oh, yeah, I know of her, yeah. Do you? Uh Yeah, Yeah, she's amazing. And she, she really changed my life. She came into my closet. She cleared it out. She took me shopping. She figured out what would work, what, you know, would be comfortable and look good. And all of a sudden, I noticed my confidence growing because I would wake up in the morning and I knew what to wear because she, another thing that she does is she'll put the outfits together, take a picture and put it on a Pinterest board for you. Wow. Okay. Okay. So every morning, this is no joke. I scroll through my Pinterest board of called doll style outfits and I decide what I'm going to wear that way from earrings, shoes, everything. Wow. But, you know, and some people might think, oh, my God, that's, you know, kind of pathetic. It's not. It was a stress in my life that I was able to get rid of and realize that there's someone who's naturally talented that could help me sign me up. Another example is like a presentation skills coach. Sure. I love presenting, but it's really important to present and no matter what you do. And uh, I found this, they're called Distinction Communications. They're a Portland company. And I went to a workshop and realized, God, I thought I was a good presenter, but I could be much better. Mm -hmm. So just finding those key people that can help you elevate things and alleviate stress in your life. What's a must experience? A must experience is working on a political campaign. Ooh, we're getting political. Yes. I love getting political. Okay. Um, And about five years ago, I was just driving down the street and realized that I'm raising six kids in the city of Portland. And I was a stay-at-home mom for eight years. And I had no idea who was running the city, how the city worked, what was going on. And I decided to volunteer for, he was then a mayoral candidate, Charlie Hales. 
Uh, and I ran all of the social media for him in the primary and the general. I knew nothing about politics. Like we did not talk politics growing up, but they needed my skill set, and I was happy to volunteer. And in that year that I worked with Charlie, who ended up becoming our mayor, I think I had some of the the biggest growth of my life in terms of how a city works and politics and what goes into politics. And I'm so grateful I worked for such an ethical, amazing candidate. Mm -hmm. But politics can be fierce. Icky. Especially in Portland. Oh, and so exhausting and so brutal. But I think it was really great for my kids to see me involved in that campaign and just to know that you can do something if you want to, if you're active. You think Portland is reaching its potential? You know what? I think Portland is really in an interesting space right now. Kind of have the old Portland and you kind of have the new Portland and this intersection of how they're going to work together. I think Portland is just an incredible place to live and people are discovering that and moving here in droves. I think it's causing all kinds of concerns, especially with affordable housing, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But I think that Portland is the kind of place where people come together. I I think they're less judgmental than a lot of cities, more open to all kinds of people. And hopefully the people that we're attracting have some of that. But I feel like Portland hasn't quite reached its potential, but we're definitely on the way. What is a must read? An article that I just read yesterday, and it's called Why LaCroix Sparkling Water is Suddenly Everywhere. Okay, that's interesting. And it's on Vox. Sure. Um, And one of the reasons that I read that article is we here at Murmur Creative, we are obsessed with LaCroix. Really? I mean, our fridge, if you open it right now, will be packed to the brim with LaCroix. We just found it on sale when we went out to lunch. It was $2.99 a 12-pack. Our owner, Andrew, filled his entire car floor to ceiling. It took like seven people to carry in all the LaCroix. (laughs) And I I just, I think I even said it out loud. Like, I'm seeing LaCroix everywhere. What is the obsession with LaCroix? Because I knew LaCroix from the Midwest. I sure, grew yeah. up in Chicago. Right. Like that was always around. Like what is what is going on? And this whole article addresses, like goes way back and researches hashtags and how did it all start and the marketing strategy. And something that's really interesting in that article is they were saying if you can get like the nation's biggest writers to love you or your product, you're going to create a trend. Um, And I had never really thought about writers specifically being influencers of brand trends like that. Um, So it's a really great marketing article and it just makes you really thirsty for LaCroix. It's like the PBR of sparkling water. It is with no calories. (laughs) (laughs) All right, shameless plug, shameless plug. Yeah. What is a must learn? Well, for me, it's something I continually have to learn, and that's rejection and being told no. Because I pitch clients, I send proposals, and occasionally they turn me down. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard for me not to take it personally. I connect with people very quickly. That's something that I'm kind of known for in our agency is having the most BFFs in the universe, I meet people and I'm curious 
and I'm interested, and I can almost find something about every human being that I like. No, it's really no matter who you are, what your income, where you live, I can find that one thing. So when I get told no, after I feel like I've built this relationship and I'm really invested in this, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've personally failed and I take it really hard. And I think that just learning this kind of, it's business, it's not personal, this, this mantra. And I don't know if that's, it seems to me it's more difficult for women um, than men, but I'm not sure. I think it's the bounce back. It's, it's, I think I'm just speaking for my own. Yeah. I, I don't like rejection. I don't yeah. think anybody does. That's true. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I take it harder than some people. I think that's an individual thing. I don't think that's yeah. a male versus female thing at all. Yeah. How do you bounce back? Well, I just, I've been working on it and mm-hmm. we're so lucky to be busy in this agency right now that I'm too busy to, you know, sob in my cup of tea every day. (laughs) So I just kind of move on. And I think I'm just getting a little bit of a thicker skin because I'm just having more experience with it. I was just going to ask, do you feel as though that you're, you know, you're progressively moving to a point where it's like, yeah, that that's not great, not, yeah. not ideal, but the world isn't going to end. Yeah, and then I'm able to kind of justify like, oh, well, I wasn't really that excited. <laughs> right. <laughs> or there was something that drove me nuts about that project that we don't have to deal with now. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> What's a question you've never been asked that you would love somebody to ask you? And what would the answer be? So the question would be, would you like to go to Spain to go pitch to an up and coming amazing brand that's looking for a design agency to create their logo and website? Are you thinking of a specific, (laughs) I'm sensing that you're thinking of something very specific here. I'm actually not. I just really want. (laughs) Well, I mean, I get why Spain, but why Spain? I've never been there. Really? Yeah. I've never been there, and I just think that it would be a, a great city. And so, Barcelona? Are you thinking Barcelona, or I'm sorry, Barcelona, or yeah. Madrid, or <laughs> probably somewhere. Madrid because I know a few people there. Okay. I, I you're have, angling for a trip to Spain. Is I that, am. Is that kind of where we're going with this? Yeah, but if I could tie it in with business, <laughs> that would be my perfect trip. What would it? Okay. Are you familiar with the Spanish startups? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. No, but if, you know, if it, it was a successful startup, like they were growing and they realized they needed like the most amazing logo ever, I know we could do that on our end. And so I would be the perfect person to go over there and convince them and go eat some really good food with them afterwards. That's that's accurate. Spain has a very rich design history. Mm-hmm. So how do you, if you had the opportunity to pitch this Spanish company, mm-hmm. what would your pitch be? Because you couldn't come in saying we're an American company specifically, a Pacific Northwest company, specifically a Portland company, which has its own sort of sensibility. Mm-hmm. You can't come in being Spanish. How would you pitch that? Well, I guess a lot of that depends on where their product was being marketed. Maybe they wanted to break into the United let's, States. Let's, let's assume that for the sake of argument here, that they're well, trying to break in. you know, I think that, well, first of all, I would be able to show them a lot of work and how we've built brands and, you know, we can show the success that we've had. But 
um, I think I would talk a lot about Portland mm -hmm. and Portland's design ethos and vibe going on. I mean, we are getting more and more calls from all over the country, from the East Coast, uh, everything, you know, the, the mid Atlantic states that they're calling us. One of the reasons is because we're located in Portland Interesting. and they love everything that's happening in Portland. And there's definitely a, um, higher design vibe here in, right. you know, some of these successful companies that are growing like, you know, a salt and straw or thing that really take their brand identity seriously and to heart and do a great job at carrying it through and everything that they do. Here's where I compliment you. Every show, we dig a little bit deeper to find out more about our guests. And I knew this about you, but I had to just kind of poke around a little bit more. You obviously clearly do great work. That is something that is very obvious. I did not know about the Leo Burnett background because that contextualizes this a bit more. What I noticed about you and what you're extremely good at is you are a really good connector. And there are people that get out there and connect, 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 but there's no real rhyme or reason to it. And it's just connecting for the sake of connecting. I've noticed that when you take the time to connect people, that there is true meaning. There is something might not happen, mm -hmm. but something definitely could happen. And you take that very seriously too. It's not like you take these connections and be like, oh, you know, go talk to so-and-so, so-and-so. Mm -hmm. There's purpose and there's intention in that. So that's where I compliment you. Oh, that's a great compliment. Thank you. Is that accurate? It's very accurate. Yeah. I, I get true joy out of connecting people. Um, I like to see things happen when they meet each other. Um, and I'm also, I, I, like I said in my intro, I have a vast network in Portland, all kinds of people I know that do amazing things, but I'm very protective of my network. Right. So I'm not just going to throw, you know, uh, an intro together because um, someone asked me to. It's like, it's usually my idea. I hardly ever have anyone asking me to connect. I just right. sit with them. I'm like, you know what? You should really meet, you know, this artisan leather bag maker because... We've got a few of those here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, you know, he really needs someone, you know, who can brand your initials on something right, or right. whatever it is. Um, and I think that the reason that I do love social media is it really does help me stay in touch with a large network, mm -hmm. keep tabs on what people are doing so that I can connect them. I love connecting people. Every show we let our guests take a couple minutes to talk about whatever they want. Without further ado, the floor is yours. As I've mentioned, I have six kids. And the biggest question, the number one question that I get from anybody is, how do you do it all? Like, how are you managing to do it all? Um, and my answer is usually, I don't always do it well. 
there's a few things, and I know so many women struggle with working and having kids, staying home and having kids. I was very fortunate to stay home for eight years, and I'm incredibly fortunate that I get to work um, and do what I love to do now. But I think there's a, a few lessons that I've learned. Um, the first thing is, and this sounds a bit cliche, but for women, it's exceptionally hard to take time for yourself, like self-love, to figure out what you need that's going to recharge your batteries and making it a priority no matter what. So I really enjoy exercise. I don't actually love the act of when I'm exercising. <laughs> I love it when I'm done. It just feeds me my endorphins. Well, with six kids and working, I'll come home at night and it's the last thing that I want to do. And I wasn't doing it. So now I wake up at five in the morning and I exercise. And I don't like waking up at five in the morning. It's not fun, but I've adjusted and I go to bed earlier. But I'm telling you, I have an hour and a half in the morning where nobody is asking me anything. I can listen to one of your podcasts. I can listen to music. I can walk with a friend. I can do whatever I want. Um, and I feel like no one is you know, missing out from me being gone. Um, the other thing I'd say that I've noticed being um, a parent is that kids are highly capable. They are way more capable than most people realize. And they're way more capable than I realized when I had only two kids or three kids. It's grown with every kid. All of a sudden, I'm like, gosh, you know, I mean, I used to do X, Y, and Z for these kids all the time, but now I just can't. I can't do it, but it's somehow getting done. People don't realize that a four-year-old can actually unpack a dishwasher. You know, I mean, most people are like, oh, they're going to break something, or it's just easier if I do it myself. Well, okay, maybe they don't do the glass in the top. Maybe they just start with the forks and the spoons and the plastic, but they can do a lot. They can be a lot more independent. I see a lot of kind of the helicopter parents swooping around their kids all the time, and it always just... it kind of makes me laugh a little bit because I'm in such a different world. I mean, our problem is we're forgetting kids all the time. <laughs> like, I'll drive away and someone will be like, Mom, you forgot River. I'm like, oh, my God, and I have to turn back. So I'm almost in the, you know, the opposite stratosphere. And we have this enormous chore board in our house that's color-coded by kid by day. And let's just say I haven't unpacked the dishwasher in probably four years I mean, they clean every room of the house every single day, two or three times a day. And that's the deal. You can't argue with the chore board. It doesn't argue back. So, you know, one of, one of the ways to take care of yourself is to just realize that there are resources right in your own house if you have kids that you might not realize that they can do. Much like the must list, we like to wrap up every show with one last piece of advice or wisdom. What is your last word? You know, I think that this stems from something that happened to me just last week. I love bike commuting in the summer. I love my bike. Nothing makes me happier because then I have 
like 35 minutes of exercise to and from work and I'm actually getting somewhere. It's the best. So I, the other last week, it was beautiful out. I put my helmet on, everyone in the office, you know, I let everyone know I'm so excited to ride my bike home. And my bike was gone. Oh. And it was stolen. And, you know, you go through that minute of, am I losing my mind? Like, did I ride my bike? And then I realized I have a helmet on. Yes, I did. I went back in the office. I'm like, I think my bike was just stolen. What the heck? I can't believe this. I was devastated. I mean, my, I've had that bike since 2007. It's perfect in every way. So I put a picture on social media, said, hey, does anyone have suggestions for what I should do? I found out about the bike index, which is the National Bike Registry, and I filed a police report. I did everything that I was supposed to do. And a week went by, nothing. You know, I'm doing alerts on Craigslist, looking for a Trek bike in Eugene, Seattle, and Portland. Wow. So like 17 times a day, I'm getting an alert. I'm holding my breath. I'm looking to see if it's my bike, and it's not. So... Finally, after about eight or nine days, I get an email from the bike registry that says, I have thine bike. So I call the cell number and he says, I have your bike. I found your bike in Colonel Summers Park at eight o'clock at night. It was sitting in the middle of the park and I went back at one in the morning and it was still there. And I said, well, first of all, what are you doing at Colonel Summers Park at 8 at 1 in the morning? And he said, I'm homeless. And I said, you're homeless? He goes, yeah, when I saw your bike, I knew something was wrong. It was clear someone loved that bike. So I had a friend lock it to his van's roof. Then I found a friend with an apartment and stashed it in his apartment for two days while I asked around for people how you find owners of stolen bikes. And I found out about the registry. I put in the serial number and I saw your post and your picture. So why don't you come and meet me and I'll give you your bike back. And I drove up with three of my little boys and there was Kyle standing on the corner in front of Zupan's on Belmont. Big smile on his face. I ran up. I gave him probably five hugs. And he said, I'm just so happy that you have your bike back because I've had stuff stolen and it's so awful. He didn't ask for any reward, nothing. Of course, I gave him a reward. But it was a huge lesson because right now there's this you know, massive homeless crisis going on in Portland and there's tents everywhere and people are constantly complaining about the homeless. And here you have a homeless guy who went above and beyond to get me my stolen bike back. So just because you're homeless or down on your luck does not mean that you don't have a heart or a conscience or you don't care. You're a human, just like anybody else does. So that's where I'd like to leave it. That's a great story. That's a great story. Mary, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me.